This episode is brought to you by DungeonNotebook.com, makers of the Tome of Delving, a hardcover notebook for keeping track of your 5th edition character. It has a place for your stats, your spells, your familiars, your inventory, all the essential things that each class needs, plus plenty of room to write down your adventure. The book comes in an awesome dust jacket and even has a ribbon bookmark so you don't lose your place. During the month of November, 2020 that is, there's actually a discount code going on. If you go to DungeonNotebook.com and put in the code DC5, you'll get $5 off your purchase for the Tome of Delving. Go to DungeonNotebook.com and upgrade your character sheet today. Hello and welcome to Previously On, a difficulty class podcast where we relax and talk about all the kick-ass games that we're a part of. I'm one of your storytellers, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman! Yay, Allie's here! (laughs) Hooray! And we're we're gonna catch up on everything we've missed oh, a yeah. lot recently. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, D- Dusty was awesome and and was holding down the fort. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> was was coming in with his stories and listening to the Golden Pals. You know, crazy adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am I am so ecstatic to hear what has happened with your group. <laughs> yeah. Because like we 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 haven't we haven't. We kind of not been talking about our group stuff with each other, namely because we're both super busy, but also because like it spoils this and it's fun to hear it as we go. <laughs> live. <laughs> live. Yeah, we're doing it live. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, th- this one's basically going to be catch up with Allie. I don't know if I'm going to name it that, but that's what we're going to say right now. <laughs> we're, we're, we're catching up with the, uh, what did they call the, the, the Sword Coast Guard? Is yep, that what they're the called? The Sword Coast Guard. <laughs> yes, yes. You gotta have a good team name. Yeah, yeah especially if it's a, a fun pun, it's always good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Allie, uh, uh, the 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 floor is yours. Tell tell us yeah. about what they've been up to. Because la- last we heard, they were in a cave, or they're in a mine, and there was some some bad stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. So let me uh, fill you in for context, because it's been a few weeks. Um, so they were going after the ancient white dragon Marothrax. Um, at this point in time, they don't know his name. They don't know anything. They thought initially, coming to Fandolin, that this white dragon was just a rumor. Um, but for sure, Cult of the Dragon was in the area, and they did take over the Mithril Mines. Neverwinter, who owned the mines, uh, didn't like that. So they asked the group to kind of handle it. And plus, on top of that, it would have been a, like a win-win because Valindra at this point has an orb of dragons which essentially can control dragons and uh yeah considering that she wants to you know take over sword coast and then the continent beyond uh they are like you know the 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 least amount of dragons that are in the area the better (laughs) (laughs) so like at this point they already got their friend felgolas to go warn the metallic dragons the best that he can and they're kind of making it their own prerogative to go around handling the chromatic dragons, the ones that are kind of scattered about the Sword Coast. And after the situation of the Well of Dragons with Tyranny of Dragons, that whole campaign, um, there's not that many dragons left currently in the Sword Coast, uh, except for the really old and stubborn ones. And so... Okay. Yeah, that's kind of like my... uh, canon for this sword coast because otherwise Mm -hmm. the ones that are stubborn and old they're the ones that weren't involved in raising tiamat (laughs) that's fair 
And so like Clouth was still there, Emrith was still there, there's a green one that's still there, and none of those three were involved in Tyranny of Dragons. Yeah. Would have been a, would have been pretty bad for the heroes if they had. Mm-hmm. Oh god, yeah. And so pretty much these dragons know better than your average dragon, and so I try to play him like that. But anyways, so the group is trying to win-win, get back the mithril mines for Neverwinter, and also handle this ancient white dragon that has moved in, supposedly. So they go to Phandalin, immediately discover it's not just a rumor, there is a white dragon there. So they're like, okay. And they go help out a bunch of miners, and that was the last previously on, was when they came back, and the, the uh, townmaster Harbin, who if you have played the... Uh, What's it called? The Dragon of Icefire Peak and the Fandolin and all that. You'll recognize his name. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he's like, yeah, you. The, the, there's there's a way to get up there. Uh, go through the uh, Nomen Garden. They're the best way to like pause, like on the best checkpoint before you go up to the peak. Mm-hmm. And initially, they were thinking like, why do we need a checkpoint? But then when they realized the dragon could see their magnificent mansion, that it would be a problem. so they no longer have their invisible like tent to hide in (laughs) because they didn't want to just come out and he'd be waiting for them so they're like yeah we'll hang out in a cave with gnomes that's cool (laughs) i love i love the idea that it's just like all right we have to be very quiet we have to take every precaution we can construct the six-story mansion (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean like the beauty of it is that the the, the mansion is invisible you can only really see the the entrance Mm. if you have Oh, but they got true sight. Yeah, exactly. And so they're like, yep. that was their problem before when they were escorting the miners back to town was that the dragon actually found them on the way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that dude was all like, oh, my God, stop that. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, the guy was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with him. Yeah, Raskin yeah. kind of like gave himself up so that way the miners could make it back to town. Yeah. Um, so they go to Nomen Garden. They play a little... Uh, among us with trying to find yes. who the doppelganger was and the um, king was sus <laughs> the king was sus <laughs> <laughs> and um they succeed they take down the doppelganger they want to get a mimic for a familiar at their castle now and then they <laughs> go up the mountain at the top of the mountain is Icefire peak uh, Icefire peak is actually a large mithril mine um the way the mine is set up, there's an entrance on almost the outer edge of the mountain itself. Uh, mm-hmm. And the mine is a large uh, chunk of the mountain that's essentially been hollowed out naturally. And, uh, you know, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but you know the mountain from uh, the, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, how it kind of curves drastically up, um, almost like oh, a yeah, moon shape? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very similar to what Icefire Peak is. However, that the inside hollow part of the mountain is the actual mine itself. And so okay. the previous miners have actually set up supports at the edge of, at the mouth of this hollow part, essentially of the mountain to hold up the peak itself. <laughs> so the mine is huge. It's like the main uh, cavern of it is like 500 feet tall. And there's, like, tunnels that go up and down throughout the entire thing. And most of these tunnels lead out into the main cavern. So they go inside. They hear mining everywhere. And they're like, okay. 
they find Cult of the Dragon. They're straight up mining mithril in this mine right now. They're not doing, you know, culty things. They're just mining. And um, so they, they take them down and they're kind of piecing together puzzles. They're like, okay, they actually are they're weirdly mining because it's like it it's they weren't expecting them to be doing that because they discovered the cultists when they were looking at mountains toe gold mine so it's like they're expecting oh they were in it for the money Mm because gold mine however this is mithril this is only really helpful and like usable and sellable when you make it into something not necessarily you can't really sell it out as raw ore at least in mm. this world. And okay. so, like, the cults aren't known for their blacksmiths, so the group was kind of confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nevertheless, they, they continued. They eventually managed to take down a few groups before they managed to get towards the main cavern. Um, once in there, the light from the opening of this large cavern only goes in, like, halfway because it's that big. And so you can only see actually like dim light halfway through the cavern and then further on back, it's just pitch black. Um, there's no lights currently set up. Um, the floor itself of this large cavern has, a, it's very dangerous to walk around. There's no like set path. It looks like um, there is a set of stairs heading down to the bottom. However, the area looks like it's just full of ice and shards of ice and, um, stalagmites, stalag... Which ones are the ones on the ground? Is it stalag... Stalagmites are on the bottom. Yeah. Stalactites are on top. It, you gotta you got do the M and the T thing. <laughs> I'm a child. That's the only way I can remember it. I think... It's okay, because I think uh, Robert, one of my players, was like, stalagmites, T is to top. I'm like, oh. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I feel like we've had this conversation before on this y- show. Y- probably. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, which one's left? Put your hands up and make an L. It's, it's that kind of concept. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so there, there's both. There's stalagmites and stalactites. There's even columns going all the way up. And there's um, the sound of mining is being echoed throughout this entire huge cavern, which, again, is like about 300 feet wide and like 500 feet deep and fi- like 600 feet tall. That's how huge this cavern is. It's essentially the width of the actual mountain peak itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the top is riddled with stalactites, like, entirely. Like, it's not smooth at all. And um, the bottom is very, you could say, difficult terrain <laughs> of snow and slippery ice that they'd have to maneuver around. While they were handling the miners on, let's say, the eastern side of the mine... Um, Bertram, the paladin, decided to use his spell Locate Object because uh, Mr. Raskin, the man who essentially gave himself up to go with this dragon, he wore a very peculiar hat. It was something straight out of Crocodile Dundee. Like, it was the fedora with, like, the the teeth in there with the leather band, (laughs) everything like that. So Bertram used... I love it. Yeah, so, so Bertram used Locate Object on Raskin's hat. And he figured it was pretty much from where he was, a direct, direct, like, directly west. So it's on the other side of the mine. It's on the other side of the cavern. Mm-hmm. So they discuss what they want to do, how they want to go about this. They don't know where the dragon is at this point. 
They don't know if the dragon is out. They don't know if the dragon is hanging out in the cavern somewhere. Um, and they can't just send their friendly local invisible rogue to go out there on his flying broom because the dragon has true sight and that would just give up the game. So they're talking it about figuring it out and eventually the bard says, okay, how about I dimension door across to the other side with our rogue, with Saphir, and we're going to do the portable hole trick. Um, <laughs> so this sounds like something they've done before. It is. <laughs> oh boy. Um, they've done this trick before a few times. Um, I've, I know DMs would argue against it, but it's just such a fun idea that I totally allow it. <laughs> but essentially, okay. uh, Twyla has a portable hole. She unfolds it, shovels everyone inside of it, closes it up, and then dimension doors to the somewhere with it. And then <laughs> opens up the portable hole and gets everyone out. <laughs> I love it. Oftentimes, we do the portable hole trick with Saphir, who's invisible. He's like, I need to get across this area. Everyone get in the hole. <laughs> That's a phrase that you'll hear often at my table. Everyone get in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just go. And so it's like, I, I understand the, the, the hole itself is only like 10 by 10 by 10, but it's like, eh, it's just fun. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I know people are like, there's no, you can't breathe. It's like, eh, poke holes. In it's oh, funny. yeah, it's cool. they have, uh, that's the only thing that's kind of keeping this somewhat balanced is that you, there is a limited amount of time of, to be in there. Cause oh, okay. With like one person in there, they can last a minute, but with all of them in there, they can only last like 30 seconds. So as soon as I everyone's in the hole, then we start going by rounds. <laughs> Oh, that's very neat. I like that. Mm -hmm. So there's still like some kind of restriction to it because otherwise they would just, you know, go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Twyla and Saphira are outside the hole and they just dimension door 500 feet west. Not knowing what's on the other side. Oh boy. And they're like, we just, Bertram told Twyla what direction the hat was in. And she's like, if it's anywhere kind of being symmetrical to this half of the of the mine will possibly end up somewhere worst comes to worse we'll end up in the middle of a room that is totally blocked off in a dead end or best case scenario we'll end up next to Raskin and no one else will be around well it was okay. kind of like a halfway situation that ended up mm -hmm. I counted it out <laughs> um, they dimension doored 500 feet out and it was actually to where Raskin was previously being held um, his gear is still there it's in a cell that's essentially been created from forming water like you know the spell that where you can create and form water and make yeah. ice and stuff they essentially made an ice jail <laughs> <laughs> and Raskin was being held in there at some point because his gear is in there even his winter clothes which is not good considering He's naked somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a single guard there that he's kind of kicked back in a chair watching the empty cell, essentially. He's just there to be on post. And so Riveting. Twyla opens the hole. Saphir goes full interrogator and, like, threatens the man. And he's like, I ain't going to tell you shit. And Bertram comes out, zones of truth. And he's like, I'm going to tell you some things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you some shit. <laughs> 
So they learn, thanks to interrogating the man and through Twyla's amazing um, fey bardom, essentially, um, more like fey warlockum, <laughs> um, that Marothrax is the dragon's name and that he okay. is in the cave, mm. that he hides and essentially sleeps among the stalactites above. So they're like, good thing we didn't go in the main cavern. <laughs> <laughs> and they also learned that Raskin is currently being held with the resident wizard. Um, mm. Now, previously on our previously on. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we do that. Previously on, previously on. We should do, that's how we should open the episodes, is talk about the last one. and just like <laughs> super Dragon Ball Z voice. Previously on, previously on. <laughs> Uh! <laughs> <laughs> Next time. <laughs> that's just that's just Uthal the whole time. Uh! <laughs> it's empowering up a luck point. <laughs> Let's see. It was um okay, so they were in the Mountains Two Gold Mine. There was a ledger that was stolen. And someone had teleported out with it. And so the group is putting two and two together and saying, Okay, this must be that wizard that was in the mine that we just missed. So they're thinking, he knows teleport. This this mage has to be pretty strong. Mm -hmm. They knock the guy out, and they figure out what to do next. Saphir has to go out and scout, because at this point, they don't know anything about this half of the cave, and they don't know anything about where they're at, specifically, <laughs> or what in relation to the cavern they are, either. So Saphir goes out, and... Um, he actually finds a tunnel that leads out to the main cavern once again. And this time from this half of the cavern, he actually sees a large white half dragon. The man has a large pike and a great sword that's on his back as well. And What's he wearing? Is he wearing purple? Uh, yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, I, oh. Yeah. And uh, he's... Oh, it looks like supervising because there's a group of miners just below um, that are currently at work. Saphir comes back. He tells them this information and they're like, okay, so we can't go after the wizard with that half dragon there because we don't want to take on both at once. The best case scenario is that we can take on one at a time. So they start coming up with an idea. And the best idea they got was essentially call out the half-dragon to come investigate and handle him within the mines, not in the cavern. The Metal Gear Solid method. I like mm -hmm. it. So they figured the best way to do that would be to take out one of the mining groups within the western half of the mines and then get him to come investigate that situation. There was actually this really neat moment where Saphir... Um, through the basis of luck and where lighting is and pure just like you mentioned Metal Gear Solid training of just like <laughs> going in start of initiative turn out the light and then go in and just start murdering and it was amazing because <laughs> like he straight out took out four people before the rest of like anything can happen that's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, this is a great rogue. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, no, this is perfect. This is, and he could under, he's the only one in the group that understands Draconic. So when they were like calling out to do something, he'd call back in Draconic <laughs> and like fuck with the, the, the cultists. Ah. And 
it was such a good just mini fight. It actually wasn't really much of anything. It was kind of like turn by turn versus initiative. Mm-hmm. But Saphir took them all out because he could do that much damage. And because of just circumstance, it was perfect. So they have the area set up. There's now an empty mining area and they cleared out the bodies of the cultists and they're like, okay, we can bring this guy into here. We could ambush him here. This will be great. So they send Saphir forward and they're like, okay, just get him to come this way. We'll, we'll get set up. And so they do. Saphir goes forward, pulls an Assassin's Creed and chucks a small rock that way. And yep. the half dragon kind of slowly turns his head and kind of just looks down the the very dark like uh mining cavern like tunnel and he just slowly walks that way and there's this really cinematic moment where Saphir rushes back in towards them on his broom of flying so he's not even stepping anywhere invisible he says quietly whispering to the group he's on his way get ready and he gets in position as this half dragon is walking down this pitch black hallway, this pitch black tunnel, they hear him tap his pike four times onto the ice. And as they're waiting for him to get closer, they feel rumbling like beneath them. And Uh-oh. and they're like, this, uh, this isn't what we were expecting. And as he literally walks in holding a torch and throws it on the ground in front of him, four albino pur- like purple warblings come up and start oh, attacking at the party shit <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> and so this this man <laughs> he's got four wormlings and they're just going at the party and Roland is just taking a beating at this point, trying to play tank so Twyla doesn't get taken out. Saphir is trying his best to go for the half-dragon immediately, and Bertram is held up battling off two uh, purple wormlings in just one by himself, <laughs> 2v1. Oh my and God. I straight up took this stat block from the Storm King's Thunder book because yeah. Imrith's hobby was raising purple wormlings. Like, <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. True. <laughs> and like, it's like a minor thing and my group never really got to experience that. So I'm like, I'll, I'll throw it in here. <laughs> I I actually exchanged it and just had a full purple worm show up. And it's the first time I really got to do that. And they fought it with potions and giant strength. And nice. it was awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. And like, what's wild is that these purple wormlings are like CR six or something like that. And mm-hmm. there's supposed to be like 14 of them in that pit, by the way. Yeah. but there's only four of them here and along with that half dragon so this half dragon essentially summoned them in through physical means not magic and he's fighting them one on one he's using his breath weapon when all of a sudden Twyla commands him to dance on the spot through the um, what the what's that spell called where it's um yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it, oh. that it just makes them start dancing. Yeah, there's, like, no... Otto's Irresistible Dance. There we go. Yeah, there's no save. So she's just like, you fucking have to be busy right now while we're dealing with this. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes for it. He can't do anything. And so he, he can't move. And so it's just locking him into place. Mm. Over here as a DM, I'm like, thank God, because this man can hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
he has like pretty decent stats. Like I pretty much took a lot of these uh, bad guys from Tyranny of Dragons and adjusted them to be more leveled to these guys because they're level 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like he's got pack tactics. He's got like just what was it? Oh yeah, he's got improved critical, so he can crit on a nineteen. He's got. Oh, like, there you go. Uh, he's he's got action surge as well, and he also has a rechargeable breath weapon that is essentially a cone of cold. Yeah, Jesus, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty. It would have been a really tough fight if she didn't make the decision to just use that six level spell and mm-hmm. just take him out of the fight. They handled three out of the four albino purple wormlings and they took down this man um, and they were gonna go after the fourth wormling when the thing burrowed uh oh and it dipped it left the whole group had a moment of just kind of looking at each other quietly in the darkness like how bad is this and what should we do about it (laughs) because this whole time They've been wanting to keep it on the down low that they're not even in the mine. Yeah. And if this thing escaped, they're like trying to tell themselves like I remember it was Saphir. He's like, it was a it was a wormling. They're they're kind of you know for themselves. They're not they cannot trained, <laughs> so it can't it can't speak. And everyone's like, we want to believe that. <laughs> 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 but um. Saphir went to go look at it and he couldn't follow up with him even with his blind sight because the thing burrowed just too far down away from him Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a real tremors moment because he was like running on top of it when it just went down beneath the surface and he's like I've lost it (laughs) and they learned at this point where the wizard would be and the wizard would be there's this large uh, building that's kind of when I say building it's more like an igloo and that's kind of set up in the center of the main cavern in the back. So it's in complete darkness. Uh, they learned this through the interrogation of the cultist earlier. And that's where the wizard has his stuff all set up. His, like, everything. <laughs> and that's and where Raskin... Look. Yeah, that's where Raskin was supposed to be, too. And so they're like, okay, we can dimension door down there straight in there. That's That's our next option. Like, we can take down this wizard by himself, I bet. And so they're like, okay. But then Saphir, he's like, okay, hang on. But let me just let me just listen for a minute. And so he goes out towards the main cavern again, following one of the tunnels, and he takes a listen. And he hears a voice shouting out for the half-dragon, pretty much calling out their name. Uh-oh. And no response. Uh-oh. So Saphir comes back and tells him, I think the mage is out of his house. We need to get in there now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And so they all kind of agree with each other and quickly get in the hole. (laughs) Dimension door into the igloo. And they appear inside this uh, domed area. And it's pitch black. And so Roland uses his sword and lights up the area. And there's a bunch of alchemy ingredients just scattered about. It looks like an alchemist's cabin in Skyrim. There's so many ingredients everywhere. And um, there's actually a large pile of mithril on the table. And next to it, a map. There's like four different maps of the surrounding area of 
not just Phandalin, but of Icefire Peak and the surrounding mountains, the Sword Mountains, and also general Sword Coast as well. And the maps mm-hmm. have all been completely written on and marked and a lot of X's on them. And pretty much manacled to the table is Raskin. And Raskin just kind of looks at them wide-eyed, <laughs> quiet, and he immediately puts his, his free hand up, shushes them, and he's he kind of whispers quietly, she just left. We have to go if we're going now. And they just kind of nod at him, look around, gather him. And Roland kind of looks at everyone and says, are, are we leaving right now? Are we taking him home? And they make a decision and say yes. And before they go, Twyla grabs something from the shelves and they leave. Mm. They go back to Fandolin. They uh, teleport out. Fan- uh, Twyla had grabbed a uh, mug from the Stonehill Inn. So she had a direct connection back. Oh, okay. And if you're uh, reading ahead, then you kind of get an idea of why she grabbed something from the igloo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they make oh, it the- back to Stonehill. Okay. And... Everyone's surprised that they made it back. Raskin, most of all, the man's freezing. He is, his hand looks like it's about to fall off because it was just literally ha- like manacled. Yeah. And yeah. frozen, essentially, to the table. He tells them that they wanted everything he knew about the surrounding like ore veins in the area and how much of it is where. And specifically, they were looking for mithril. Huh. And at first he was confused because they hit the most mithril that they're going to find in the area. But they wanted to know every little bit of mithril in the area. And so him being who he is, Raskin is the essentially only man in Phandalin and the surrounding area that would have that information. Because he wasn't, you know, he didn't want to die. He gave up that information. He's like, I I couldn't say no. And besides, they're just mines. We can easily warn them. So they're like, okay, so here's the thing, guys. That dragon is going to know we took Raskin and killed his half-dragon and took yeah. down pretty much his entire cult. Because mm-hmm. by the time they left that mine, they took out two dozen cult members. Jesus. And there was only about 31 in that mine. Oh, my God. And so there, <laughs> Saphir had the moment of like doing equations through the air and just figuring out math. And he's like, that dragon can fly down here in an hour and a half. We only have so much time to get everyone to safety. Oh, shit. So they're in the Stonehill Inn. They ask Raskin, like, what's the best way to do this? And he just goes out and he's like, we have to tell the town master. And so they go out. They tell town master Harbin. And Harbin kind of has a panic moment because... Uh, the dragon's coming to town. You led them here. <laughs> <laughs> Raskin has a moment of lifting the man up by his laurels and saying, be the town master, get everyone to where they can be helped. And it kind of sticks it into him for a moment. And he he kind of breathes in and he says, what are your plan? And so the group figures it out. They say they're going to pop an invisible magnificent mansion in the cellar of the Stonehill Inn. The Magnificent Mansion can hold... It 
technically the spell says it can feast it has a feast for up to 100 people so i'm like fuck it it can hold up to 100 people that's what that okay. means right luckily enough for them fandolin is not that large of a town and it's in the winter time so there's not many adventurers coming through anyways so there's only about 75 people living in the city currently or in the town and there's about like 10 or so people visiting so they're able to fit everyone in the Magnificent Mansion. It's just a matter of give, getting everyone there. So okay. Twyla sets it up. She specifically states that anyone who finds themselves to be a um, resident of Fandolin and is allowed in, unless otherwise given permission. Mm-hmm. And so they spend an hour to short rest, gain back some um, health from the fight, and to help guide the people into the Magnificent Mansion and if people are vouched for, they're allowed into the mansion itself, too, if they're not residents mm-hmm. themselves. The hour is up. Everyone is inside, thanks to the help of Townmaster Harbin and Raskin and Raskin's uh, trusted men to go about and tell everyone to retreat into Stonehill Inn. And uh, Toblin Stonehill himself was the last man in. He's like, no one else in the town is, is so that's it. You guys got everyone. So the team starts thinking about what to do for the dragon attack. They're like, it's inevitable the dragon is going to come into Fandolin and hit up the place. What's our best place of options for defending it? So they overlook a town map that Harbin kind of provided them and they decide to take their stand essentially above um, one of the merchant buildings, which is the one of the largest buildings in town. And about 40 feet away from that is another two-story building neither of which are Stonehill in itself. So they want to bring the dragon's attention away from the inn and on them. Keep the people as safe as possible. They agree on the plan. They say, okay, Saphir, Simba are going to stay inside and then ambush the guy, essentially. Bertram is going to come in with his Pegasus and fly in and do an air raid. And we're going to stay on the roofs and try to just play support. They have their plan. They do team break. Okay, let's get out there. They go upstairs and they see a very pale elf sitting at one of the tables in the, in the inn. Okay. He, this elf is incredibly old, like to the point where he has moons gathered in his eyes kind of situation. Like mm-hmm. he's that old. He's got a large beard and he kind of just taps on the, fa- on the, the table and he says, we need to talk. Bertram being ever so no you know uh perceptive asks lonin to do true sight for him for just for just a moment please no lonin opens his third eye and he sees the ancient white dragon before them holy shit (laughs) the second time they they've they've gotten to like chit chat with the ancient that's fucking cool (laughs) i love it so at this point, they all are like, we weren't expecting that. He wasn't supposed to be here at this point. We we're supposed to have another half hour to set up. And then all of them, all the players at once remembered he had a mage with him who knows teleport. How long has he been in this town? <laughs> Shit. How long do you think he has known that everyone had to evacuate into Stonehill Inn's cellar? And where is the wizard? Exactly. And so they're kind of panicking at this point. Instantaneously, all of them unanimously agreeing, we have to talk with this dragon. 
we can't just fucking stab him here in the inn. <laughs> it won't work. <laughs> and so Roland and Twilight take a seat. Uh, Bertram stays standing, just acts at the ready. And Saphir being uh, who he is, he doesn't he doesn't take a seat either. But the elf is dressed in just average robes, not uh, opulent at all. But he is wearing, however, um, two silver, like white metal looking bangles. Uh, Roland being the metal worker he is, recognizes that metal to be mithril. Uh, the bangles they recognize because uh, they they point they they perceive perce- like specifically because they remember hearing the sound of metal on metal almost like shackles when they first talked to the dragon and so here they notice that the man is wearing bracelets and so they they kind of notice that at this meeting but essentially uh, the dragon tells them he's annoyed (laughs) (laughs) you have taken my men you have disrupted my plans and you expect me to just fight you you expect the lowliest of everything (laughs) oh wow tell me why I don't just kill you right now and they talk to him. They tell him why they're there. They tell him that Valindra, this evil lich, has a plan to control all dragons in the nearby vicinity to do her bidding, including ancient dragons. And this piques his interest. He's like, well, how would she plan to do that? And they explain to him that she has an orb of dragonkind. He kind of nods and he says, which color? <laughs> so this dragon specifically uh, knows about these orbs. Um, he's mm-hmm. not like his... previously when they were going to go against Imrith, they did a lot of studying up on dragons. And so they learned about the different chromatic dragon types and who they are. And this dragon so far is going against every stereotype of white dragons. There are, mm-hmm. especially since they just came from taking down two adult white dragons who were every single stereotype in the book. <laughs> Yeah. So there's this seemingly intelligent and wise, cautious and patient ancient white dragon in front of them who is a human, uh, not human, but in a humanoid form currently. Yeah. And he knows things. And so once they tell him it's the opal kind, it's the, it's the opalescent. And they're like, he's just thinking and considering it and says, it sounds like it's, going to be the well of dragons once again oh shit and at first they're concerned and they're like you think she's planning on bringing back tiamat and he just shakes his head and he says no i'm referring to the control over dragons to do a common goal nasty business that (laughs) and they're like oh (laughs) Okay, so you you understand that, you know, you don't want to be in control of you don't, you don't want to be under a person's control, right? And he kind of considers it and after a wonderful persuasion check by our local bard of like 35, <laughs> um he agrees. He doesn't want to be under control of someone and does their bidding, especially when he has his own plans. 
He's not even from around here. He actually came up from Am. He was here because of his own personal goals. And they're like, well, what are your goals? And he's like, like, I'm going to fucking tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And so he tells them three days. I'll be out in three days, but you cannot come up to the mountain. You cannot steal further from me and I will leave. And they're like, shit, should we take the deal? (laughs) Because they're over here like, how do we know that he's not just going to say no and just murder everything anyways? How do we know that he's going to keep on his promise? How do we know anything? And also, this is an ancient white dragon. We should probably just handle it anyways. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think some of my favorite moments in games is when an offer is made and the players go, how do we know that you'll be truthful or something and just having that NPC go you don't that's exactly pretty much what Marothrax did <laughs> it's like well how do we know that you're going to do this he's like you don't it's it's my deal <laughs> you mm-hmm. either accept it or you, reno- you revoke it and I give you my wrath and they're like okay <laughs> alright so we agree so Marothrax gives them a nod of a handshake and says, all right, then I'll be off. And he essentially starts walking away. However, uh, Roland asks him, he is like, where's your wizard? <laughs> <laughs> and before he walks off too far, he kind of looks back and he says, around. Um, and he's like, okay. And this kind of makes Marothrax think for a second. And he says, hang on. And he turns around. And he says one more thing. He comes back. And like he's he does the, the um, oh, God, what was that old detective show? Um, you know, the guy that says one more thing. And he comes back and he always says things like that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I see. I hear one more thing. And I think of Jackie Chan adventures. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Columbo. <laughs> oh, Columbo. Oh, yeah. There's just one more. It's just one more. Yeah, thing. yeah, 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 yeah. So he kind of pulls a minor Columbo and he comes back and he says. I'll leave sooner if you do me a favor. Mm. And they're like, what is the favor? We can't agree without knowing. And he's like, and he tells them. Meet me in the place where gold is hidden in plain sight, and you'll find that favor there. And then he leaves. And so huh. the, the group is kind of left there thinking about the riddle, and they're like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so the dragon attack is staved. It's, uh, they go down, they tell Town Master Harbin, and they tell Raskin hey, do you know about a place like this in the area? And he actually does. He he recognizes what that would be. Um, way back when, there's actually a abbey that's uh, just northeast of Phandalin. Um, it's an abbey t- dedicated to Savros, the uh, god of fate and like divination. Mm-hmm. And apparently way back when, um, the monks that were at the abbey had told the town people that, hey, 
orcs are going to raid you guys. You guys need to get yourself safe. You need to you need to do something. And so the majority of the town went and fled to the abbey itself and them knowing what's going to happen next, they actually melted down all the gold that the town people brought for protection and forged them into things that you normally wouldn't find gold in. Um, mm. So, like, the entire bell in the bell tower is made out of solid gold, uh. but it just has a look of really bronzed, like, copper uh, on the outside of it. It looks really super tarnished, so it doesn't actually look gold. Mm. There's, like, solid gold artifacts everywhere throughout the abbey, but because of what the monks did, it hasn't been technically looted that entire time. Oh, wow. However, because it's been such a hot spot for so many raids, they haven't gone and been able to recover said gold also. <laughs> like, they asked Raskin, it's like, well, why, why haven't you guys gotten it? And he's like, well, for a while there, the orcs did come and they did raid. So that was a bummer. Um, and then after that, there was some cannibalistic elves for a time. Um, there were some werewolves and uh, werebears as well. There was a fight there as well. Recently, there Jeez. were uh, a gang of vampires, I believe. We haven't, we've lost track. What the heck? And so they're like, you said vampires are there? He's like, well, you know, like the little ones, not like a big one. And they're like, okay, the, the dragon told us to meet us in there. He's like, I guess the vampires are gone. I hope. Because <laughs> it, it was the last they checked. It was like five years ago when they last checked. Yeah. Every now and then they got to see if they can get their gold back. So far, no luck. So the gang takes a day and they hit, make their way over towards the abbey. And eventually uh, they make it there. The abbey is just totally torn to shreds. The four, the four like, outer walls are totally torn down um the once really well-kept gardens are complete disaster and it's like the abbey itself seems to be boarded up like as if to keep the holes from letting sun in mm -hmm. um but then there's also evidence of like a lot of orc armor and uh, just a lot of bones scattered about in certain places so it's like this place has been used as kind of like <laughs> a lot for its unintended purposes. Um, yeah. And so they, they go inside and once again, they see the uh, pale old elf there and he's admiring one of the frames um, that is still hanging, although crooked, but still hanging on the wall. Um, and they come in and he tells them, okay, now that you're here, we can speak freely. I have a proposition for you. Kill the wizard I'm with. And they're like, Ooh. why? <laughs> I thought he was like helpful for you. And um, Marothrax pretty much tells them that much like Valindra plans in controlling dragons, this wizard already has control over him. She wears a mask. Oh. And it only has a specific controlling ability, but however, he has fallen under it. It's for a certain amount of time, so he has free will now and then, but she makes sure to keep him under his thumb. She was useful for mm. a time, so he kind of was like, okay with it. But uh, now that 
she's essentially done her thing he's okay with her being gone and being rid of being under her thumb Mm -hmm. so considering that she has the mask it makes it impossible for him to attack her on his own so he needs outside help he was initially going to use the entire cult to just kind of go on her and not worry about it but they kind (laughs) of took that solution away from him yeah about that yeah Um, And he did not want to go back home with this wizard on his back. So they consider it and they're like, well, why, why would we do that? And he's like, I don't know if you're familiar with what happened at the Well of Dragons, but Severin was uh, one short of all five heads. And they're like, what? It's like, and he gives them a brief overview of how Severin, uh, spoilers, by the way, uh, of how Severin. Yeah, the, 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 real quick, spoilers for Tyranny of Dragons. Here yeah. we go. Uh, he tells them a quick overview about how Severin had plans of collecting all five masks to help bring Tiamat out from the hells and into this plane of existence. Um, but when it came time to summoning all five essential purple members of the cult and bringing the mask together four of them showed up except for the white one Mm. Uh, the white one has essentially been mia this whole time and it's been the lord's alliance um it's been the lord's alliance prerogative to try to find this person like if there's an fbi most wanted list this person's like high at the top um she has the mask she has the mask yeah I kind of beefed up the concept of it aside from, because in the initial book, it's all like, oh, you can talk to dragons and you get advantage in persuasion roles. But I'm like, nah, yeah. let's make it more. <laughs> yeah. Got to make it epic. Yeah. And so they're like, okay. And they're thinking about like, well, do you want the mask? He's like, no, <laughs> I do not want it. It's a foul artifact. Give it to your Lord's Alliance. They'll know what to do with it. And they're like, well, what do they do with it? He's like, destroy it probably. <laughs> So they're like, okay, so in the end, it'll be a win-win because one, we're taking down a large member of the Cult of the Dragon. We're going to recover a very dangerous artifact out of the hands of a Cult of the Dragon member. Downside, we're helping a dragon. And they kind of forsook that idea a long time ago when they were in Storm King's Thunder and they didn't want to help out Clouth. So they're like, mm-hmm. oh, what do we, should we put down our pride for a second and do the like a really good thing or and they agreed they, i love this they, that's so good yeah they, they told marathrax like deal but as soon as she's taken down you're leaving and he's like agreed so he tells them before they leave that uh he has to warn them about a certain ability of hers uh, she's very much uh, very proficient in creating magical items. And he kind of taps one of his uh, wrists, his bracelet. Mm-hmm. And it begins to glow uh, a la like Lord of the Rings, ring in the fire yeah. kind of situation. And there's a slight change in the air around him. And he says, she's made me this herself along with this one. And he holds up his left wrist. And he says, they do different things. I can demonstrate if you like. And they kind of like, uh, and he's like, it will not hurt you. 
Okay. <laughs> and so he just tells Twyla, like, step forward. And so she tries to take a step forward. However, she can't get within 10 feet of the man. Whoa. It's almost like a wall of force that's much smaller. Huh. And so he kind of nods and he says, she's been working on this for me. And she has made a necklace that is similar to this one. And he taps his left bracelet. And they're like, well, what does that one do? He's like, would you like to attack me and find out? And they're like, <laughs> no. He's like, whenever you attack, you will get hurt as well. Mm. It's a uh, trade, if you will. And so they are immediately worried. Because... Uh, <laughs> my players all realized and kind of looked at Marcos who recently got an axe that if you crit you behead someone nice so if what you do to them happens to you <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> what happens if you crit <laughs> and so they're like looking oh, at Marcos fuck. like what, what what are you gonna do man he's like I'm gonna guess try not to crit and it's like you can't not do that <laughs> Uh, DM my my uh, my die rolled a twenty. I would like to dispute it. <laughs> and so they're like, um, okay, we'll, we'll figure that out when we get there. But the the kicker is is that Bertram is also a man of the Raven Queen. He's a paladin, and he has specifically <laughs> made it so that way he can't be brought back in case he's killed, mm -hmm. because that's like totally against his whole shtick. <laughs> he's like if i'm taken out that was my time i'm okay with that mm -hmm. and so they're like but dude if you get taken out by your own axe beheading you through magic i don't think that's your time <laughs> 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 but they can't go against what's already been done so they're like okay well we're just gonna have to go into it and marathrax he kind of hangs out in the abbey and they take a walk out to the outside and they're like well when are we doing this and they kind of look at each other and they're like i guess we're ready now and twyla says are we ready now because we can go now <laughs> at this point no one noticed except for like me because she specifically told me she's like i'm gonna take one of these things i'm like okay she's like we can go straight to the igloo and they're like wasn't that dangerous could we possibly not she's like holds up a small alchemist vial that's empty and she's like no we'll get there and then they teleport. Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> so they teleport immediately in the inside of this igloo. It is pitch black. There is no light in here. However, those with dark vision can immediately see a blue tiefling surprise just huh. at the four of them that are in there along with the large metal cat. And they're just like, what? Oh, shit. <laughs> and suddenly go into initiative there's a surprise round and Saphir gets a really good sneak attack in however suddenly Saphir as the tiefling calls out in pain Saphir feels it echoed in his side where he just stabbed her and shit. he immediately feels blood running down his side oh shit so it's one to one yes holy shit <laughs> so Saphir's like guys we have a problem <laughs> as he's like dodging around her and his goal, he sees that she's wearing this mask. This mask is uh, pretty much it looks like a crown with black cloth as a veil. The crown itself is like gold that looks like it was tinted white. 
and it has a coil of a dragon head that goes up above. Um, there, pretty much all you can see from this mask is just her eyes and her horns that are kind of poked through the sides of the the top of the mask itself. And Saphir, he like looks at he Robert looks at me. He's like, I'm gonna go for the mask, <laughs> and I'm like, all right. <laughs> so. Oh he does this crazy like acrobatics move and he goes in essentially hopping off of the table both hands on their face trying to rip the mask off of her except it doesn't budge oh shit it's like stuck on her noticeably stuck i'm like but you rolled so well you're now grappling her by the head yeah. and he's like i'm okay with this <laughs> <laughs> and so they're in this very crowded spot where everyone is literally like in a 10 by 15 kind of area to work with. And one moment they have her literally in their hands. And the next moment she is outside the igloo casting a spell inside. Oh, shit. She used time stop and she got herself out of there. Oh, my God. All of a sudden ice walls just burst from the ground surrounding everyone everyone takes 10d6 of cold damage as they can't get out of the way and they're blocked from going forward they can't move because these ice walls are just physically stopping them and she starts running roland who can see through the ice walls because i'm like over here as a dm this is an ice wall. It's frozen ice. It's clear. You can see through it. He's like, sweet. I misty step out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and so he starts chasing after her. And he gets out of there. And then he summons Bigby's hand up and just grapples onto her and keeps her from moving Hell forward. Yeah. And he shouts back, like, I've got her. And at this point, Bertram is like, okay, uh, we've got a couple options. Um, <laughs> and so then he pretty much is able to bust out of the ice as well. And he starts running out there too. Twyla uses Eldritch Blast three times on a single ice wall, knocks it down, which gives Saphir just enough room to outreach his arm into the space where the ice was and for her to grab onto him for them to dimension door outside of that situation. Mm. Meanwhile, she has been activating her various magical items that she has procured upon herself. Um, Not only do they can't get next to her within 10 feet now, because she's been activating them with her time stop that she had the time to, but also anytime they deal damage to her, they take damage back. And they're trying to juggle it. And Roland gets to this point where he's like, dispel magic. And it takes down the the lowest level thing for a round essentially the lowest level artifact (laughs) that she has built and so he's like dispel magic suddenly you can get within 10 feet of her okay that's back up now that she activated again dispel magic okay you can hurt her now and it won't hurt you back and so like they're trying to time it right and bertram is like i want to get in there and murder her and they're like wait for roland to dispel magic please (laughs) (laughs) and they're going back and forth and she's about to bust out this kona cold in all three guys face when twyla who sees her just within range 55 feet away and she says no and she dispels that kona cold and she just looks super pissed off at Twyla and she misty steps towards her and she's about to just go full murder on Twyla when the boys are finally able to get in 
and Saphir, with only 13 health left, holy shit, <laughs> comes in and stabs her from the back and just brings the knife down into her shoulder and brings her down to the ground. This brings him down almost nearly all the way, but he he holds up onto a knee as he had a death ward on him. Oh, shit. So he's able to stay there, just knife in her shoulder at one HP as she goes all the way down to the ground and dies. Holy shit. (laughs) And they kind of take a moment and look at each other and just breathe because the mine is silent this wizard is handled and that's where we ended last night (laughs) holy shit (laughs) that was epic (laughs) there were so many like the freaking like them outside the the church is like let's go boom like you could have stopped there and i would have been like that was freaking cool and then the guys did the fight and it was awesome (laughs) oh that's so freaking cool Allie. i love it i'm glad to hear it (laughs) by the way that that story was almost an hour long oh my god yeah wow (laughs) and that listeners uh from what i was told ahead of time is the abridged version yeah my my notes weren't so great (laughs) you could have fooled me because that was amazing We'll 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 save the harrowed and the golden pals for for next time because that was that was fan freaking tastic. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> oh yeah, that, I I I I I don't got words right now. Like I I'm just like I don't I don't know what to say. That was just that was just freaking cool. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> awesome. Um, I I I guess I guess the way to to round this one up is well one we're gonna find out next week. You know what? What the implications of that means? We're mm-hmm. we're gonna hear about what the Harrowed have been up to, and uh, in the sewers and and the the the, the places and the things yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And um, maybe uh, maybe Trevor did a Halloween episode <gasps> for the Golden Pals, Ooh. so we'll find out about that. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> but you're 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 coming back to the show. This is you're you're back. I'm back. <laughs> so ne- next week, look forward to uh mm-hmm. to Allie's first episode back. Uh, it's not a bonus episode. It's just a normal episode. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do yet. We'll figure that out <laughs> after we stop recording. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, until, we, uh, until you hear from us next week, have a good game. Just wanted to say really quick that the sound effects and music that you heard in this episode were from Sirenscape. You can check them out at www.sirenscape.com and find some really awesome sound effects for your game like this.